Hello, hello, hello again. I say good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to all of you who have time out of your wonderful lives to come and visit with us in the studio. I'm so glad that you are here, and I thank God that I am here, by the way. Hello, uh, Reams. It's so good to see you and later to talk with you. Um, at this moment, we are definitely turning our attentions towards the awe-inspiring work of God that is daily displayed in his creation. We are so sometimes, um, you know, not paying attention and not crediting God with the things that we see that are beyond the power and control of men. And yet it is only God who can indeed do what we are seeing and, and, you know, experiencing. And that includes work in human beings. We are his creation. We are his workmanship. And uh, he has ordained people to do exploits. And we pay, you know, we don't pay attention to it because everybody's not giving God credit for what is happening. But without the creative power of God operating in every life, we would not see so much of what we do see that again is it's miraculous in its um in its magnitude. And the magnitude, you know, this language that we speak and the way we refer to things always causes us to think of things that are really uh, exposed and big in nature, like uh, many, many, many people can sing, but we probably give more credit to those who are famous when they sing. And yet some of the best singers I've heard had no fame or fortune connected to them. They gave praise and, and you know, they do what they do in a very quiet and way, a way that, you know, doesn't draw a, a great deal of attention because somebody has to hear it uh, else we wouldn't know it was there, but not to the degree that, say, Michael Jackson did or <laughs> all the people that we really, really credit as being uh, super in what they do. So Psalm 19 tells us that the heavens declare the glory. And that word to me is very specific and very, very much intentionally used. They declare uh, the Bible says it declares the glory. So declarations are either written or spoken, but either way, it's communicated. It's a, a mode of uh, communicating something. The heavens declare his glory and day unto day utters speech. Now that is talking to me. That means talking. By the way, the firmament uh, also shows his handiwork, what God has done, those things that he has actually made, formulated by his own hand. And it doesn't necessarily mean that God took, took his hands and formed it because we know that he spoke most things into being, but it is by his own power. Our hands bespeak power or the shaping and molding of a thing. So God has done this, right? And then night, the Bible says in the same Psalm, shows knowledge. So we know that the sun gives us uh, the, the, the light by day, but there is a moon that shines and gives us light by night and all those beautiful twinkling stars. And so we know through the recognition of these things that God is a God of knowledge. He knows. So the descriptive words that we use 
to describe who he is, our omnipresent, everywhere he exists. Omnipotent, all power is given unto him. Jesus Christ even said all power had been delivered unto him. And then he is omniscient. He knows everything. And I see that the studio is filling up. How wonderful is that? Thank you. It's so good to see you, Sister Amy K. Tony Ritchie. Thank you very much. Thank you all for joining in this evening. And I want you to be very vocal. I want you to say what you want to say about anything that I say. I welcome it. You know I do. And therefore, if you will, please uh, chime in. Now, before we start, I want to say a prayer. Thank God that the hurricane that was coming uh, towards North Carolina and Georgia, you know, coming up the coast has now been downgraded to a tropical storm. But that's the neck of the woods of, that my the most of my family lives in. And so I've been kind of preoccupied today with, you know, kind of seeing what that, and I didn't even know it was going to happen until midday when I got the text, right? My uh, great niece just went off to college in Georgia and she is right in the center of what could have been uh, devastation. But the Lord our God has heard the cry of many people. But on such a day as today, we really do recognize God because there's nothing that a man can do to stop such a storm as was uh, anticipated. And there's nothing that one can do when that storm stopped. It is not by man's hands. God has done a merciful thing. So, Father, we thank you for that. I thank you so much, Lord, for preserving life and for allowing that, uh, what is that dry uh, air to come in and cause the storm to weaken. And so, for one more time, we are able to just let go of the concerns that we would have had had that storm been as powerful as most of them are, and the loss of lives, you have once again shown your mercy and your powerful hand. So we thank you for that and ask you, Lord God, this night to direct us in our discussion here, that your name may be glorified as your name should be and deserves to be in all the earth. Praise be to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Uh, so tonight's tonight's discussion is titled Lifestyle Christian Living or Lifestyle Ministry or something. I forget what I call it. Lifestyle Ministry is what I've said. Yes. And I am drawn to this. Like I, I was in the hospital for half a day for since Monday. My husband has had to go in and the surgery that he he received, what we, we didn't expect it. So it's been a big surgery. And now he has experienced what what it's like to uh, have a cesarean section. <laughs> oh, I, that's not a nice little thing to say, but truly to have abdominal surgery is, uh, that's no joke. That is no joke. That is very, very uh, painful. And it is, um, you know, it causes much to happen in the body. So I've been there and did not quite know what I was going to talk on. When the Lord bought me to the recognition of something that we've experienced since I have been there every day this week. And what what stands out greatly and what has brought me to this topic tonight is the treatment of the nurses and the staff there. 
it started with our talk with the surgeon. We were in the hospital early morning. Uh, we arrived, I guess, about six o'clock. And uh, he had to be prepped, of course, and all that stuff. And then I went back and he uh, we, we had a visit from the surgeon, the very surgeon, the man who was going to do his, his work altogether. Now, I've had many, many, many surgeries and I never got a visit from the surgeon, never, not once before the surgery. Right. But this time the surgeon came in very stately kind of man, very direct and if you hadn't listened to him, you might have thought, well, he is a cold-hearted kind of guy. But I find that, that surgeons are very, very focused. And uh, when he began to talk, Tad said, well, they didn't tell me that. You know, he said, you probably will stay in the hospital and we're going to do this thing thing. And Tad is saying, well, nobody told me that. And surely we were not expecting to be held except for the day. And I'm I'm thinking it's going to be a few hours, you know what I mean? So I didn't come wanting to spend a whole day in a hospital and then uh, half the night. But that's what that's what happened, you see. And when when he talked, though, what he did, he said, I want you to know exactly what is going to happen. I want you to understand precisely what you're going to feel. I want you to know that this will be very painful. Now, this was amazing. And and then Tad said, well, I didn't know I was going to say, he said, I would never send a patient home after this kind of surgery. He said, this is a big surgery. And I'm sitting in that chair and I'm saying, glory be to God. Hallelujah. You see, the Bible tells us that the gifts and the callings are without repentance. So whether a person is in Christ or not, if they are gifted, God doesn't take it back. And so I don't know if this uh, surgeon was in Christ or not. What I do know is that he was he was willing to uh, be in front of us before the operation. He was then willing to lay out the entire experience before Tad went through it. He was willing to tell us that he was there to do the best job he could and to make sure that his patients were well cared for. I can tell you, I have had four major surgeries and never have I been so well treated by a surgeon. And uh, one one was uh, for the my very life. I, the doctors told me if I tried to make it back to North Carolina, it was an emergency call, that I would bleed to death. And I never got to see the surgeon until afterwards, right? And yet I was I still, God still, you know, he still took care of me. But the gifts and the callings, watch this. The surgeon who took care of me, one of the best in the United States, so I was told, gynecological um, uh, oncology, oncology surgery, surgery, and the surgeons. And then this guy, throughout the whole hospital, has been acclaimed as being a very good doctor. That's how they refer to him. But you know, the treatment didn't stop there. Uh, after the surgery, the well, even before the the nurses who were there to take care of him and prep him, they were so very friendly. 
They were very open. They are calling me in and making sure that I understand as well. And, you know, just a lot of really good attention given. Then we go up to the floor and his nurse her, she said, I'm going to, her name was Talisha. I don't know the last name. And to help me remember, I don't know why she knew I would need help, but I did need help, of course. She said, T and T, Tad and Talisha. <laughs> so, I mean, preppy, of good, good humor, beautiful young woman. And she said to me, as I said, I, I made some reference to the Lord and she lifted her hand and say, oh, glory to God. She said, I, I believe this is my calling. This is what I was born to do. And let me tell you how her attitude, her attention, her precision in the work, constant. Never did I have I seen as yet, and it's only been three days, a frown or a, a, a feeling of bother. When she was held in one room for a patient, she sent her friend who was as equally beautiful. And the amount of, um, what is it? The, the, the way the people in this hospital have been so willing to acknowledge God has astounded me. It was only when I was in the um you know, in this emergency situation in a, a Seventh-day Adventist hospital that I had ever experienced that kind of attention to God within the healthcare environment, right? But in this hospital, it, it's a hospital right here in a town below us, you know, it's about 30 minutes down, and everybody seems to just be caught in Jesus Christ, from the valets all the way up to that floor. And uh, uh, then the patient, right? The patient in the room with Tad, um, referencing the Lord. And and today, the, the the man who's over there, he's been in the hospital for over, oh, about two weeks now. And he's saying, you know, we can only pray and, and wait. And, oh, my goodness. I'm just, uh, I'm, uh, I'm amazed, right? A little lady was walking down the hall, patient, walking down the hallway, and she heard me say, I was saying to Tad, just as she was walking past his door, I said, well, I think the Lord is telling us something. And she turned to the door, lifted up and said, she said, oh, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. And I said, well, you know, praise him. We do too. And then she put up both hands and say, praise him, praise him. So a, a, a moment in time when God begins to lift out something so that we can experience where he is and what he's all about. Doesn't seem that we are in a nation where people love the Lord, right? Once you get out of your circle of like experience and you know where we're talking about Jesus and all that thing, doesn't, it doesn't really feel that way to me. It always feels like it's incumbent upon me to bring up God, but not in this space. And the, and so I'm I'm titling this tonight, Lifestyle Ministry. Walking continually in the knowledge of who you are, and the transformation and the newness of who you are because you have known God and he has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And having done so, transformation has taken place in your heart. And so you become the very person that you have been reborn to be. With the birth gift and all of that that God has given you, 
still intact, but this time under his divine command, anointing and balance, transformation. The metamorphosis has taken place. And so you walk continually as a child of God, not in and out. However, if you should go out for a second, a hot moment, right? The Holy Spirit is right there to draw you back. But even in that moment, the Bible says you can go in and out and still find pasture. In other words, as I believe that scripture means you can still graze from the greenery supplied by God for life, spiritual life, right? So tonight I am going to read from Romans chapter 10. As I was asking the Lord, you know, what shall it be? And he gives me the uh, scripture. He always kind of comes with the scripture, but he highlighted these people in particular to Leisha because she is Tad's direct nurse and the surgeon. These are the direct, the people who are initially responsible for the care of a life and how serious of mind and how concerned they have demonstrated themselves to be as people who take care of you when you cannot take care of yourself. And I want us tonight to envision that that's who we are all day, every day, when we encounter others. So from Romans chapter 12, I'm sorry. Okay, wait a minute. Is it chapter 12? Hold on one second. I just want to make sure that I didn't push my, yes, Romans chapter 12. I am going to read the entire chapter. And as I read, I would like it if you guys would simply meditate, maybe close your eyes, however you do that. Imagine you walking in the way that it is uh, prescribed in this scripture. So, Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, that it will impact our hearing in such a way as to cause another bit of transformation in our existence, in our hearts, and in our minds. It is written, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth, on teaching, or he that exhorteth, on exhorteth, or exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth, with diligence. He that showeth mercy, 
with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will pay, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, this is a good word. God, I, I think I told you before that when I hear God's word read, it is to me like a very beautiful song and the melody is carried in the uh, pronouncement, right? And this word then does what songs do. It seeps right into your very core through all the barriers that may come if you are otherwise listening you know, it's something else listening. You know, it, it, there's something about art that is miraculous. You do not have any, um, what is the word, barriers to what you are experiencing in the artistic realm, but most amazingly with music. You know, we close our eyes and we just sit back and we just listen. And that's what God's word is like to me. By the way, all talking is music, some kind of music anyway. It's pleasant or it is um, unpleasant. But these are sounds that penetrate and break up the silence rhythmically. And God's word does it better than any other sound I've ever heard. So here we are. This is how we should live. And I brought up the surgeon and the nursing staff, most particularly Talisha, because they exemplified to this week for me this very scripture. I do not judge whether uh, either of them, I would never have known Talisha had I not spoken, right? But by her uh, care and her just the, just her general goodness, I would have assumed that she had some knowledge of who God is. And she brought to each of us, Tad and I, and I didn't bring it, I meant to read them tonight, 
notes. These are notes. And she the on the in the note it's like folded, beautiful beautiful, you know, kind of card like stationary, but not not with an envelope. But folded so that there's a front, then there's an open, you know, and then there's a back with a little insignia. I don't know where she got this paper from, but these are beautiful pieces. And in there is a word of encouragement from the Lord. Be not taken away with fear, one of them says. When you don't understand what is going on, the other one says, God is always there to explain, to heal, to show you. And this will Pass. I mean, this has been quite an experience, quite an experience for which I give the Lord thanks. We are sometimes caught way off guard. And that's why this scripture is so amazingly important to me, because I was myself and, ha- and often am caught off guard by other people's responses when they are not godly. And we, uh, well, me, I, am so caught off guard sometimes that I respond too quickly. And then when I realize what I have done, it's a matter of what? Repentance. I have to go back. I have to go to the person. You know, sometimes it's an informed response. In other words, the Holy Spirit is leading you in a certain way. But sometimes it's a an emotional response. And so this word tells us, do not recompense evil for evil. Don't try to avenge yourself. So we got all these things going on in the world in which we live. You got the passive aggressive, you know, you got the aggressive aggressive, you know, and you have the the witty and the quick who come back with a word and always try to, because what we're doing is covering our own lack. We're covering ourselves. We don't want to feel the pain of someone recognizing what may be true or maybe not true, right? So we have these ways of like, you know, retorting, getting back, right? But that's not what the rebirth of Christ ever leads us to do. In our rebirth, we have become or are becoming spiritually knowledgeable. We are becoming responsive as by the Spirit and not from our own flesh. We really don't have to fight the battles. We really do stand down and let God take the lead. That's what we are endeavoring to do. That's where God is bringing us. And whether you want to come or not, if you don't kind of get to that place, heaven may never be yours because we are born again of the spirit, not again of the flesh. Our rebirth of the spirit in the spirit now brings death to the natural man's way of reasoning, thinking, and feeling. So like we started and many times I've said, you know, test yourself in the word, test yourself. And when you read God's word, say, is, am I aligning with this or am I uh, in opposition to this in my daily, everyday life? Then when we think of ministry, 
I try not to, to you know, go, be the, define myself as something because honest to goodness, I don't care what God called you to be. I believe eventually you're going to be all of it because he doesn't leave you unbarren or unfruitful in any area of your rebirth, which means you just are not a, you know, you're just not a, a, an exhorter. Eventually you're going to be in some uh, capacity a giver. You're going to be an evangelist. You're going to be a little bit of a pastor, not over congregations, but maybe over a little segment of people that the Lord has appointed to you. You're, you're going to be, you're going to become, you're going to emerge like a beautiful flower. And like the flower garden, the characteristics that God has given you that are, uh, are specific to who you are will show up even in you becoming the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Tony writes, it's very hard, but it's just outstanding and spiritually uplifting. Praying for someone you all, you really know they don't like you. It's not easy at all to bless someone who curses you, but it's the heart of the Heavenly Father for our lives. It's not easy but it is worth it. Thank you, Tony. You're absolutely right. It is very much worth it because if we can remember that the direction that we're traveling in is always upward, it's towards eternity. It's onwards in the direction of a life that never will end in Christ. I welcome uh, someone new, uh, Gideon O.S. This, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Pastor Thomas, I see you're in as well. Yes, these words that you share, please share, are most uh, poignant in extending whatever I could say. I was just, I don't know who I was talking with, whatever, because, uh, oh my goodness, I don't remember. I believe, however, that every gift that God has dispersed to the church is so necessary for us to combine with all, they all need to come into like a, you know, like a mix because it is the way that we settle on something that is nearer to the heart of God than any one of us could have proposed. We are too sometimes caught up in our own, whatever it is we think we have, you see, and we own it and we hold on it and, and we think that we're going to uh, we're going to be right in every situation. But I fully, fully, firmly believe that it takes the fullness of it all to bring forth the best that we can as those who are under Christ, as those who are, you know, living in the in the in this world. And so we need to be more and more aware. And I'm a person, I don't like to work with teams. Oh my goodness, I really don't. I, you know, the Lord really had to work on me because one of the things that happens to me when I work with a team usually is that I'm drowned and there is no place for my own expression. But what the Lord has done, he didn't, he didn't do what you know, what might be the normal thing for somebody to expect, and that is give you the boldness to be more expressive. No, what he did for me was gave me the humility to just sit there and let it be. 
I don't have to have a place. And I used to feel very like I was just dumb and just like not even able to be in these places. I don't feel that anymore. What I feel is that, the, so, you know, if I'm going to feel anything at all, is that there are some people in there who still have not experienced any personal humility. They have not come down from their own platform. And so they draw all the attention. They talk louder. They overtake the whole thing. And then everybody else kind of uh, cowers, you know, and uh, lets it happen. Or there may be a couple of people like that. And when there are a couple of, at least in the coupling of uh, folks like that, you are getting a more extended uh, expression of whatever it is you're trying to to come to an expression about. So I didn't like teams, but here God's word is saying that we should not, it isn't about working in a team necessarily, but it is about being humble enough, just come, just taking yourself down a little notch, right? So that such a, uh, a, a congregational experience can happen and you be a part of it. Well, that's my that's my take on it anyway. So I'm going to start from the top because there's some points in here that I really want to um, make. And he says, he beseeches us by the mercies of God that we present our bodies a living sacrifice. And that's, and that's what I was talking about with this team thing. Just to say to yourself or be aware, you really are extremely wonderfully made that everything that God has given you is important else he wouldn't have given it. He has done a good thing. And like Jesus Christ, if we uh, feel like we have to make people see us, right? You're not operating like Christ. He went about doing everything that he did and never told anybody except once that I recall to even mention it. He didn't tell him to tell that he had done something. He said, go and give thanks in the temple to those guys that he, uh, I think he had, he had uh, healed the lepers there. But so, so this whole idea of being, you know, somebody is contrary actually to what I believe Jesus Christ mentored, wanted us to see. We are somebody. And when you are truly somebody, you really don't have to call attention to yourself because that, just like this doctor, just like that nurse, folks are going to see it. People are going to see it and they're going to admire it. And they're going to recognize that there is a difference in who you are. And you are going to quickly acknowledge that that difference is the Lord. It is the power of God operating in you. Remember, the firmament shows forth his handiwork. You and I, the whole of the human race, God's workmanship created for good works. So it is written. And so we we work on presenting our bodies, ourselves, as a sacrifice, but we're living, you see, we're moving in Christ and we want to be holy, holy, set apart. We want to be acceptable unto God. In other words, what we are doing and what we're sacrificing, our motivations and all of that is God's way. He 
is accepting it. And he, this is written, it is your reasonable service. You don't deserve any pats on the back for this. It is a reasonable service. And I constantly, in whoever I try to talk to, you know, or I'm talking with, especially my own children, my own family members, if God is God, he deserves everything that you have. He deserves my entire attention. He deserves for me to acknowledge him in all of my ways. He deserves for me to thank him for his goodness, even in times that are not so good to me. He deserves for me to worship him. He deserves my time. If you notice that in the in the world today, uh, if somebody does really a great performance or if they say something or deliver a speech that is fabulous, that the trendy kind of way to respond is by bowing forward, you know, as if to worship. Mm-mm. If I can do that for a man, then I can fall on my face before God because he's the only one who deserves it. The very thing that you're admiring and the person that you are now giving that kind of uh, acknowledgement to is gifted by God to deliver. And therefore, it is God ultimately who deserves all of our worship. Why? Because he is God. He is the creator. He is the giver of the gift. He is the one who keeps breath, uh, the air flowing, you know, that exchange of oxygen and hydrogen, whatever we do, carbon dioxide, I'm sorry, to breathe. It is God. It is only God. He sustains the world. He holds back the, the, the oceans on the shore. He calms the mighty wind. It is God. He also allows it to, to to blow like it does. It's God. All God. All the time. One of the saddest things I heard about of late was this group of men who took the trip down to the ocean floor in something that was never able, according to the other members. It's a small group of, you know, Marine people, I don't know, when they paid a lot of money to go down there and lose their lives. They just had to go down. Even before this capsule that they went in was, you know, ordained to be one that could withstand such a journey. And after their deaths, they just people, these are rich men who had money to do that, right? And I said to myself, what is so fascinating? Why did they want to go to the bottom of the ocean? What is that all about? You you know, there's technology now, and they probably could have just dropped a camera down deep and saying whatever they wanted to see. But they wanted to go. And there is a quest inside the heart of men to really see the mystery of God. They want to prove it out or disprove it. Which one was it? But they never came back. They are dead. And so to give yourself as a living sacrifice, to be uh, wholly acceptable of God by choosing his way is our reasonable service. It's what we ought to do. And we should not be conformed to the world, 
but we should have our minds renewed so that we can prove what is good and acceptable and his perfect will. I don't think I ever want to go to the bottom of the ocean and I'm a person who loved the ocean. But I do not want to go down to that mighty, those mighty waves to dive deep and see all those amazing sea creatures. I just don't want them that close to me. You see, when I went to Niagara Falls and heard the sound of the water, I was petrified. And we could hear those falls blocks before we got to them. That frightens me. Because I know that if even one little drop or one little hole gets in the dam, I'm doomed. So I'm not trying to do that. I don't want to defy God in his own realm. That's his realm. And I'm very pleased to be an onlooker at a distance. So then it goes on. uh, We say every man among you, we we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves as we ought. Now, I was talking about that when we think, you know, we've drawn attention to yourself. You just somehow we get this notion that we are maybe smart or we can do this thing really great or we can do that thing really great. I can tell you from experience and you could, you know, you have a good gift and you can do a thing pretty good. But there's somebody out there generally who can do a thing pretty much better. (laughs) So God didn't stop giving it out when he gave you yours. He's given several people. But in, in who we are and what God has gifted us to do, we should never assume ourselves to be better than others or more highly You know, look at little Simone Biles. Oh, my goodness. You're talking about a gymnast. I thought Olga Corbett was a a, a great gymnast. And then it came Nadia Komenich. And they just been getting better and better. Right. And here, uh, excuse me, Simone is performing feats that almost no other gymnast ever did. And they can't seem to catch up with her. Simone is getting old and she's still able to do tremendous things. But when I've heard her speak, I've never heard her exalt herself as if she is all that. And she doesn't give up the um, the ritual of staying fit. She's still going out to rehearsals and doing what she has to do every day, even though she wears the title of being the greatest gymnast that ever lived, I do believe. So here we are. We shouldn't think of ourselves more highly, especially when we're working together as God's people. We should esteem each other better than ourselves. This is what the word says. And when you are born again of the spirit of God, if you didn't get to it yet, you must get to it. This is how we are going to live in an eternal world in the presence of our father And how present that will be, I do not know. But the Bible says we shall know even as we are known, which means he's going to be somewhere close by for sure. And each of us, we're going to live in a a place where there is no none of the evil that exists in the world. So there'll be no proud peacocks there. And so to get there, we are dying daily. And if that proud thing is in you or the tendency to be proud, hey, you don't have to be ashamed of it because I do believe that is the the sin of the four parents. This is when God gives you a free will 
to make choices, right? And he gave us this amazing brain to think things through. The tendency is always towards that which takes you away from God rather than that which takes you to in terms of your own self, how we see ourselves. So we are giving up. We are dying daily. We are recognizing by the power of the Spirit who we really are, and we are giving it over for deliverance so that we become more like Jesus Christ. And then uh, we go on to say, he, he tells us that we are members in one body in Christ. And so if we are just members of one body, there isn't one part of us, not one member that can say that they are better than the other member because it takes all the members to make the whole body, right? So we being many, it's very mysterious, but it's a marvelous thing. Being many, we are one. Out of the many, one. That's what we are in the faith. Many members making up the one body. And it's written somewhere, how can the, how can the foot say to the, or the, the head say to one of these, it is in the scriptures, I forget, that, that I am better than you, right? And, and in that same scripture, it says the foot, you know, which looks like the basis part, is the most comely part. So sometimes you think you're, you know, all that until you meet a more lowly person than that one that you maybe have, have determined to be lowly, and they outdo you in many ways. And so they become the comeliest part. The, the, the most uh, exalted or the, the most beautiful, right? So the, the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of them that carry that good news, the message of God, right? How beautiful are the feet, not how beautiful the head or the mouth that speaks great swelling words, you know? How beautiful are the feet of them that carry, right? So uh, we go on, and he says then, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, you know, if, you can, if you're a prophecy, you just wait on, wait on the time when you should be prophesying, or if faith activating and work in it, or ministry, you know, do everything as it comes, and as God is calling you to it, but don't stand forth you know, and, and say, oh, I'm this or I am that. And, you know, I need to come up for it. And, and I, I think that's what he's telling us here. But just be, do, do what you do with simplicity. And that simplicity is not like in a simple way, but it is with, um, uh, how shall I put it? It's without um, ex, uh, exalting it out as something that is necessary and needful and without um, pushing forward, as many people do, like I said, in, in groups, you know, the person, they just kind of push the, their way to be the leader of the group. But there are people within there many times that are far more capable in terms of being leaders. But these other guys have pushed it out. And now they are, you know, making the whole matter um 
less less simplified because sometimes they don't quite know what they should do or how what they want to do should be done. So with simplicity. And then, uh, oh boy, everything with diligence. So, you know, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy. That dissimulation there is don't be a hypocrite. Love purely, love completely, and give yourself to the process of loving. It is not easy. Tony wrote it, but it is possible. If, you know, some people say they don't, they don't love themselves. Well, the Bible says that no man does not love himself. Every man loves himself, right? And, uh, but he loves himself way too much. And truly, when I worked in outreach, you know, I met many people who were, um, uh, you know, just in very, very compromised um, lifestyles, right? And folks would say they don't love themselves. And I'm saying, but you do. Because what you're doing is feeding your very pleasure. You've decided that you need to do this, that, or the other, and you are feeding it. You, you are, you are loving you more than you are loving the people around you who are begging you not to do it. You know, you're loving yourself. People love themselves. I'm sorry, you all. I have to tell you this. I don't care how humble and you know how uh, much we've grown. Truly, we love ourselves. Until you come to Christ and he helps you to bring, not to, not to dislike yourself. He doesn't want you to do that either. But, you know, there's this thing, how can I love somebody else if I don't love myself? I'm saying easier, much easier. You don't, <laughs> if you stop loving you so much, you'll love somebody else a whole lot more. <laughs> because love has in its front sacrifice. And love has in its front the esteeming of another more than you esteem yourself. Love has in the front just what Jesus Christ was when he walked this earth. He stopped. He spent time with. He gave. He trained. He ministered to his own fatigue to his own lack. Remember when the little guy wanted to follow him, he said, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I, I don't have houses and cars or, you know, chariots. I, I'm not walking like that. I'm not asking you to uh, donate to, to, to my cause or, you know, invite me. To, I'm not asking any of that. That's, that's all I, what I have is what I'm giving. That's it. Do you really want to go with me? Right? Now, y'all, this is, a, it's hard to think in the 23rd, where, where, where are we? We're in the 21st century um, of not living, you know, with all the things that we have. It's hard to think about that. It's hard to put love in the front, love of others rather than yourself. But it is the way that the word is teaching us to live. And then we are to be, we dispose of hate, evil. I'm gonna tell you, my deliverance from many of my uh, former ways was the result of a prayer. I prayed, God, please, I want to hate the sin. I don't want to even want that sin, that thing that I am tied to, to continue. I don't want to like it anymore. 
I want it gone, right? And the Lord honored such a prayer. And I'm praying even to today for, for God to take, it isn't anymore a desire to do it. It is a quickness in my response to many things. I want to hate that. I don't want to live that way. I really want to stop and think before I respond. And when I respond, if my response is not received, but the response is from the Lord, I want to be at ease and pleased. I do not want to defend or fight against what others think of me. And then to be kindly affection towards one another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another, not slothful and bit. Oh, all of this takes a little bit more than we are sometimes willing to give. And to be affection to somebody else with brotherly love. Okay, you know, I, I my, my girlfriend's mother used to tell you exactly where you come when she said, in love. I'm telling you in love. And she was telling us in her love, in her style of love, right? And it isn't so much that what she was saying is wrong, but sometimes you wonder, well, did the Lord really speak to you to tell me that um, or to tell that or to say that or to demand that or to command that? And I'm not saying that he, he didn't. I'm just saying that we can think that we're doing a right thing before we have checked with the Lord to make sure that that right thing is the right thing to be telling someone else. God have mercy on us. So we're to be not slothful in business, fervent, fervent, fervent. Fervency reminds me of fire. You want to be fervent in spirit. You want to ask the Lord to uh, ignite you for spiritual life, to give you the powerful way that spirit life can impact the world and others around you. We want to rejoice in hope because it is in the hope. Hope, hope maketh not ashamed, so the Bible says. We hope for those things that we believe God for. We patiently wait for them to come. And the further word says to be even patient in tribulation continuing instant in prayer, never stopping. We are told to pray without ceasing. We're told by the, the word, and I think Jesus Christ said, don't stop praying, keep praying, right? And just give to the necessity of the saints and give in hospitality. Open your doors to people. Um, and it isn't so much that you, you, you're literally letting them come in the house, which that's, that's a part of it for sure. But hospitality is receiving people in such a way as to give them a welcoming reception, like the surgeon and like the nurse. They are hospitable people. They care enough to take the time to do what they do and to do it well. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Tony just wrote us. That is hard. 
that's not easy. But if we practice it, rebirth will come. What I say, or deliverance will come. My moods on a rainy day are days that were overcast. Like a day like yesterday, in former days, would have really caused me not to want to get out of bed or to move around. The day would feel wet and sticky and uh, distasteful. And I would cry for sunshine. But the same way that the Lord, through his word, has allowed me to respond very differently. I almost don't pay attention to the day much anymore, except to discern what might be happening in the day. But I don't feel what I used to feel. That was flesh. Now spirit responds because Psalm 19 has told me that the day, the day is doing what God wants it to do and is showing his glory. And his uh, His handiwork is apparent in that firmament. And uh, it's uttering speech everywhere in declaration of the glory of God, of the, of the existence of God, of his presence with, with this world. And therefore, right, so much can happen. So bless and persecute uh, those who persecute you. Bless them and don't curse them. Don't curse them. Be aware that there is a recompense for men who don't know Christ, for people who don't uh, submit themselves and their way to the righteous way of God. There is a recompense there, and we should be aware that it's there and be a part of their coming out of darkness as God brought us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then we end rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Oh my goodness, you know, guys, I know this is simplistic, but sometimes when people, something good happens to you, there are people around who will bring a negative um, uh, statement about it. Oh, he did this or she did that or whatever. Oh my, it's very tiring when that happens, right? It's just an exhausting way to live. And I'm saying, Lord, you know, it's a good thing that happened. But then when it's time to weep with them, you're not trying to weep with them either. You know what I mean? You want to make them weep, but you don't want to weep with them, right? But when things are not good, I think that the 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 the, 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 the crux of our faith in God is this that we are all created in his image, that each and every one of us has value before the Lord. And so if we can see that in each other, we will be so uh, conscious, right? And understand today them, but tomorrow me. And, and don't do it for that reason, but do it because they are two made in the image of God. And God send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for every one of us. No matter what I think of myself or think of you, I had to be redeemed too. And so when we meet people who still need to be redeemed or who have yet to mature through the, the, the years that the Holy Spirit is going to work through them and bring them into the fullness of the very thing that God has reckoned you to be. But remember, it has been a record. He has paid the price. And so he knows where he's going to take you. But you are walking into that. I am walking into. And day by day, we die. 
Joy and I, the, the, the way gets closer and closer if we cooperate, you know. And therefore, um, be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low, to, low estate. Now, that means it's not you're looking down on them, but rather that you're going down, <laughs> that you are meeting them on equal footing there. Men of low estate, the poor, the downtrodden, the mentally ill, the sick, the infirmed, right? Uh, the less fortunate. Those who are not yet born again of the Spirit of God and cannot see, still walking in blindness and the death of sin. Condescend to men of low estate. We are not above being the witness of Jesus Christ so that others may come to know him. Recompense to no man evil for evil. We already talked about that. Provide things that are honest in the sight of all men. Constantly. This is lifestyle. This is your life now. This is who you are now. So you're going to do these things. And if it's possible, as much as lies within you live peaceably. Now, I believe that if it's possible, is there because sometimes the world that we are living in throws a darts at us. And we, not that we are going to um, retaliate and, and just take it that way, but there may be a spiritual response that may cause it to seem like a battle. And it is a battle, you know. The, the battle is raging all the time. The enemy is against you. And so when we when we stand in the spiritual place, that battle is apparent. So as much as possible, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves again as a repeat. So God really means for us to hear this, right? You don't get do, you know, suffer uh to do wrong because wrong has been done to you, leave that to the Lord. And he says, um, vengeance is his, it's mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. That's what he tells us. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he thr uh, thirst, give him to drink your enemy now, for in so doing, See, and that's what I was telling. I think we were going through something. And I'm saying, no, 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 we shouldn't. We shouldn't be. Um, oh, I know when the old, the the, the 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 all the president's men. You know, it was so easy to hate those people. But really, when you think about it, those people who are, you know, politically um, mean and use power against others or anybody in any society. When that is overtaking them, we really should pray for them because they are in a very, very dire place and they may ever, never, ever see light. And that is a condition that we should be very, very concerned about. Salvation is for everyone and we want to see all because God wants to see. He's not willing that any should um, perish, but that all should come to repentance. So says his word. And therefore, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. A lifestyle of living as a spiritually reborn person in Christ Jesus by the redemptive work of God. 
through that death on the cross and him overcoming death in the resurrection. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hope that something here has been spoken that really uplifts your thinking and my thinking and our minds to understand that God is about something with us, not just getting you to heaven. You know, I got, I'm saved and so I'm going to heaven. And so your every day is that declaration without any evidence or proof <laughs> that you have indeed been reborn. And I don't think that you can be reborn with no proof. You can say a lot of things in, out of your mouth. We can say whatever we want to say, but if it's not true, it will be evident. And how then do you make it real? By allowing the Lord, well, submitting yourself to him, first of all, humbling yourself under his mighty hand. And that is through the word, God always checking it out, checking me out, checking me out, checking me out. And saying to the Lord, deliver me from my own faults. Let me see myself shine the light of the Holy Ghost on me, Lord, that I might give into your will and your way. And thank you because I want to live eternally with you in the name of Jesus Christ and understand why the name of Jesus Christ is so important. It is so important. That you recognize that people want to believe that we have more than one God. You got these three gods, three in one. You know, they have a problem with the Trinity. Well, the Trinity is just one way of expressing God's amazing power. He can perform whatever he wants to perform, however he wants to do it. And when he said that man would surely die but he said also that I will redeem you. He did it and he did it his way. And you look at it and you think you got a second God coming down, but you don't. The Bible tells us that Jesus, Jesus said, I and the father are one. He said, when you see the father, you have, when you see me, you've seen the father. And he said, I came to do the will of the father and he did it. Now that is an expression of the father. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word dwelt, became flesh, and dwelt among us. And he was the light, and the light is the life of men. This first John, but you go back to Genesis, and it is in the beginning. You know, God, in the beginning, God. And the Spirit hovered over. You know, all the, the it just comes together so wonderfully when you read it, to understand it, asking the Lord to make it, to unify his word, and I cause you to, to, to put it all together and not pull this one and get away from that, like, you know, taking chicken off a bone and throwing one piece to the dogs and eating the other. You have to get the whole thing. And we have to study to get it all which means we have to read it because in one way it's a small book, but in another way it's an enormous book. And to pull it all together, you have to read through the entire word 
prayer for me. Not once, but two or three or four or five or six for the whole life that you live. Just we have to do it. So lifestyle ministry is, well, my life is ministry to the Lord in service to God and therefore in service to all mankind. I'm sorry, you all, these earbuds. I hope I didn't disconnect. These earbuds are amazing. They keep falling out. I apologize and hope that you have heard me tonight. And thank you all for coming. We have Lady Sarah. We have Apostle Ishmael Niame in the live studio. And we have J.P. Campbell 07. God bless. I do welcome you all. Tony Reams. Um, and we're missing some of our regulars tonight. Um, we have uh, Gideon Orr. God bless. And um, hmm, I guess that Pastor John Thomas. Oh, Sister Amy Kay. Uh, wow. And so, like I said, they, this, the, the, the lower south there is under hurricane watch, right? But it has been downgraded to a tropical storm. However, we know we live through a tropical storm that just wiped out some stuff up here. So it isn't that there is not the power of uh, the wind still there and the rain. And there, the, the, the rain, the um, forecast for rain is uh, enormous. One place is going to get like almost 10 inches of the rain. So it's still uh, a lot of flooding could happen and people could be greatly compromised. And we pray and ask the Lord to cover and to, you know, to just keep people safe in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, let people take this storm seriously. Many times folks are told to evacuate and they won't and their houses end up floating and all that kind of stuff. God, we ask that people will see your hand and, and really, really be mindful that you are almighty God and that the power in your natural forces are greater than anything man has ever built. Because as much as we don't want to be in a light timber house, it can actually, a, a storm, a good wind can blow over even the heaviest of buildings. So, Lord, you are in control and we ask you to cover our loved ones. If any of you have, I have my whole family's in the south right in that hurricane um, pathway. Uh, as, as you know, I'm a North Carolinian in Georgia and all that, they always get hit anymore. But I trust God in all things, and I trust that he is taking good care. So we miss them tonight, but they are on our minds and our hearts. And I thank you so much for coming. I pray that you will contemplate what has been said. And if you have anything to offer, remember, I upload to the uh, episode list, Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. And even there, you can make comments, which I look for and read continuously. May our God bless and keep you. And bring you again into our good fellowship here. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I thank you again. Have a good week. And may God grant you a great morning, afternoon, evening, or restful night's sleep. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>